0: It is Thursday, the 23rd of January, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, Venice has a new plan to protect St. Mark's Basilica from future flooding, but is enough done to make sure the city itself has a future then? Why taking a train is really the best way to travel to the World Economic Forum in Davos, plus how a Canadian broadcasting company has begun supporting local news organizations. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. After last year's floods entered and ruined St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, the city is looking for solutions to keep the water at bay when, inevitably, the next flood strikes. Monica's Chiara Rimel has the story. Chiara, what exactly is the plan right now?
1: So the plan is a proposal for now that's been submitted to the Department of the Municipality that looks after the historical heritage of the city. And is a plan to build 1.2 meter high glass barriers that will be placed, um, that would be placed in front of the facade of the uh, basilica, meaning that tourists will still get a good view of the structure, but also that this glass would be strong enough to withhold the power of the floods. Now, this is obviously a good idea in terms of trying to protect the inside of the basilica. San Marco is placed in the lowest point of Venice, so it's often the first point of the city to get completely flooded so it's particularly susceptible to flooding in the city and it's very important that it is preserved there's also you know another big threat to the to the basilica and its mosaics comes from the salt that is left behind from the seawater when even when it dries out however at the moment the plan is has been advertised as a temporary measure and i think it's important that it is considered As such, and that we don't really rely entirely just on a 1.2 metre high barrier to safeguard such an important place.
0: Now, Chiara, here on Monaco 24, you've been talking about Venice's ambitious plans for a large tidal barrier before. What is the latest on that? Where are we now?
1: So this barrier is what in Venice is more often referred to as Mose. And it's a series of different barriers that would essentially close off the lagoon at times of need. It's a project that's been mired in accusations of corruption and in any way in delays for years and years and years. It's been discussed for almost decades now. And some estimations say that it should be completed by the end of 2021. We'll see about that. Some other critics of the project anyway say that the project itself would not be beneficial to the the lagoon, that it would turn it into a bit of a petri dish and it would be an obstacle to the natural flow of the lagoon and therefore would be almost detrimental to the overall health of the lagoon. So there is lots of controversy around the project. Definitely Venice needs to find a long-term solution because at the moment it is suffering. And whether that comes from radical action about trying to contain the effect of climate change on the lagoon and whether that comes from these barriers, if they are built in a way that ensures they're not detrimental to the lagoon, we'll have to see.
0: Exactly. Considering how serious last year's flooding was for Venice, do you think that is going to put pressure on those making decisions? Do you think some action is going to be seen and do you feel optimistic about the future of Venice?
1: It's difficult to say because Venice has been, the death of Venice has been threatened for years now by way of its natural subsidence. You know, Venice is sinking by nature of of its own building mechanism, you know, it is built on a series of kind of fossilised poles that are stuck into the lagoon. And, you know, the the structure of Venice itself means that it is sinking. The rising sea levels obviously don't help with that. The problems with the basin and the floor of the basin essentially don't help because obviously they've increased the, the speed at which Venice is sinking. It's a strange place, Venice, because even with issues of hyper-tourism that has been plaguing the city for a very long time the decisions have really always taken a very long time and it's I think it's always been a bit of a symbol of Italian short-sightedness that having such an amazing place and not necessarily taking the best care of it yeah, what that symbolizes for the Italian attitude towards this city. I hope that people will recognize that it's too important a place to lose and that action is taken. So I'm not fully optimistic, but I hope that that's what the future holds.
0: Chiara Rimella, thank you very much. Up next, let's hear from Monocle's Ben Ryland who explains why taking a train is really the best way to travel to the World Economic Forum in Davos.
2: The people of the World Economic Forum know how to make an entrance. For many here, the arrival is the best part. Nothing takes the chill off an icy alpine day, quite like touching down on board a private jet before sneaking into a waiting black sedan with heated leather seats. But I know an even better way of traveling to Davos that's arguably more comfortable and much more efficient. The humble Swiss train. Switzerland is a global leader when it comes to rail transport. Zurich's light rail is used by everyone, from bakers to bankers, and with climate change on the minds of all in attendance at Davos. Its friendlier carbon footprint makes it an easy choice. But if the prophets of doom are to be believed, Donald Trump's words, not mine, then rail travellers may have reason to worry. When transport strikes began across France in December, some lines in Paris continued operating without interruption. The secret? Driverless trains. While the world has been tying itself in knots over the rise of autonomous cars turning our highways into a scene out of Blade Runner, the automation of rail has been quietly on the expressway there's a good chance that you've already stepped on board an autonomous train. Paris' Line 1, London's DLR, the monorail at Disneyland. Switzerland recently began testing driverless rail too, but while the benefits may be obvious, there may be hidden costs as well. The popularity of trains here isn't just about ease and efficiency, it's also a question of trust. Drivers, onboard crew, and station staff, they all take pride in their work, which encourages passengers to appreciate the system too. Rail operators should always look for ways to improve their services, but as Switzerland's trains remind us, the experience on board is just as important as the destination. My
0: thanks to Ben Ryland. Then elsewhere on today's agenda. Thousands of volunteers will make a final push today as Los Angeles County braces for the final day of its annual count of the homeless population. This three day event is a crucial tool for city and federal officials to determine how to allocate funding, improve services, and offer more targeted housing. The county has one of the highest numbers in the US with an estimated 60,000 people experiencing homelessness. It is no secret that how audiences consume the news is changing and threatening traditional, particularly local, outlets. Now Canadian Broadcasting Company has stepped up efforts to help stem that decline. The company has launched innovative partnerships with local news organisations, including Print. In Winnipeg, the CBC now shares the cost of weekend reporting duties at the Winnipeg Free Press, meaning that the paper can continue to pay its reporters during those shifts. While many of those stories end up finding a national audience on the CBC's platforms too, perhaps other global national broadcasters can learn a thing or two from the CBC's approach. And back when Tokyo's main fish market, the world's biggest, was in Tsukiji, it was crawling with tourists. Since the move to its new home in Toyosu in 2018, city officials have struggled to attract visitors to a venue that lacks the old market's charm. On Friday, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government will open a new section of 21 shops and restaurants at the market that officials hope will be the much-needed boost they've been looking for. Led by Developer Mitsui for the sun's, a new Edomai Yokamachi wing, will feature sushi counters and grilled seafood vendors, a farmer's market, and shops selling dried fish, tea, and kitchen knives. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I am Markus Hippie. the Monocle Minute returns on Friday.